Welcome to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I'm your host, Claire Sieber, global career and leadership coach, facilitator, speaker, and founder of Eating Your Cake 2, a business focused on helping you take control of your career and leadership success. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to amplify your influence, accelerate your career growth, create real presence, and have a true impact by learning the tools and strategies that you need to show up with more courage, more confidence, and more clarity. Are you ready? Let's do it. Meet Amanda Louisa. Amanda is a sustainability specialist, feminine leadership coach, and recovering lawyer. She helps corporations and women harness the power of feminine leadership to create thriving and resilient organizations, paving the way for a better future. When she's not trying to revolutionize how we treat the planet and women, you can find her with her two cats or cooking up a feast for family and friends. I think you're going to love this episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. Let's dive in. All right. Well, welcome, Amanda, to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I am so excited to have you here. How are you going? I'm well, thank you. So good to be here. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. It's a Wednesday for us. It's hump day. It it's, is. You know, the, the sun was out. It's not so much out anymore, but that's okay. It's the middle of the week. There's lots of fun things happening, lots to be grateful for. Yes. And now I get to sit here and have a beautiful conversation with you today about feminine energy, which I'm super, super keen to dive into. But before we jump into that, I would love if you could give, I've, I've done a little bit of a bio on you already, but let's kind of humanize you now and share, if you could share with our listeners just a bit about like who you are, what a day in your world is like and, and what you love to do, what brings you joy. So I'm a recovering lawyer by profession. Don't hold it against me. I started my career off in the corporate law field. And then I realized pretty quickly that my passion actually lay with environmental issues. I was spending a lot of my spare time, the little spare time you have as a corporate lawyer, working in the United Nations Association for Environment Issues in, in WA. And so I thought, why am I just doing this in my spare time? Like I can invest all my time. So I requalified, did a master's of science in sustainability management and have been deep in the sustainability space for the last 10 years. So I, like day to day, that's what I love doing. And the more that I've worked in sustainability and environmental issues, the more I've seen a link between the plight of women throughout the centuries and the way we've been commoditized and objectified sometimes. And the way we treat the environment, it's very, very similar. I started to really get into the kind of feminine leadership space. I've always worked in corporate and really male-dominated fields and seeing the trajectory of our career as women and then, you know, moving up the ranks. I'm now an associate director at a multinational. So like seeing our trajectories and how sometimes we're, you know, kind of forced to disown parts of our more feminine natures as we move through the ranks, especially in like male dominated fields. I wanted to change that. And that's kind of where my two passions meet and intersect. And it, the, yeah, it, it's kind of what takes up a lot of my time because I, I work on a business part-time and I work full-time in a, in a corporate job. So 
Yeah, that's what I, I do day to day, but my passions are art and creativity and uh, horse riding and my two cats that have traveled the world with me. So yeah, that, that's a little bit more of the human aspect. I love that. And I love how you've been able to, I love that you call yourself a recovering lawyer. It's fabulous. But I, I love hearing how you've been able to combine, well, not only how you were brave enough to step back firstly and make that call of, you know, I don't know if this is for me after what, what would have been a long period of study, but even more so that you've now been able to combine the things that you're passionate about and, and, and you know, multi-different passions and turn those into into a career both obviously in a part-time capacity in your business but also in a full-time role through sustainability as well I think that's fantastic but but tell me how the fuck do you find the time for all of that how do you manage it all so one thing that I've learned and I've, I've never really been very good at this it's only in the last few years that as I've dived into more of the feminine nature that I've realized embracing your feminine also means embracing your masculine sides so having a structure that allows me to flow is really important. So I do a lot of scheduling, pre-prepping so that I know that I'm supported throughout the week. I like use most of my Sunday afternoon to prep food for the week ahead because I know that if I have nourishing food that really tunes into my, my menstrual cycle and what phase I am in my menstrual cycle, if I'm eating the right foods, it means my like I'm more hormonally balanced it means that I'm just like preparing myself for whatever might be thrown at me. So food prep's really important. Having a structure so that I know I'm doing exercise throughout the week, that I've got scheduled time that is there for me to do my journaling practice, my meditation practice. And then I've got time to, you know, do my business. So I, I block out time throughout the calendar so that I ensure that I actually am meeting people for fun or, you know, having time to just chill out and do nothing or you know, have really focused time where I am very clear with my boundaries. And that's the key to being able to have a, a good diary is when you've got a time set aside for something, actually do that and be really clear about that boundary, which isn't really always possible, especially if you have little ones. I don't have children, but a lot of my friends do. And being able to ask for help from your partner, from your friends, from your family, and like relying on that support network to help you live your best life so that your energy is vital and revitalized for others is also kind of part of the deal, right? So if you're burned out and if you're feeling overwhelmed and you don't have that structured time for you, you're not actually helping the people around you that you love. So what you're giving is not the 100% that you could be giving. So it's really important to kind of reframe that, I think, especially as women, because we're so used to having so much pressure on us to do do it all, all yeah. of the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I guarantee you that there will be a number of women listening in right now, just nodding along going, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I'm curious to know, so I'll be the sort of first to say that I, I, I guess I understand the concept around sort of masculine energy and feminine en energy, but I'm by, by no means an expert in that space at all. So I would love if you wouldn't mind giving, I guess me, but also our, our listeners as well, almost a bit of a 101 in sort of what does that mean? Like in terms of that space and, and actually defining what masculine energy is versus feminine energy and how that plays out in, in the workplace, but I guess also in life, like what is, what is, what does that mean? Yeah. So first off, masculine and feminine energy isn't actually about genders. So a 
person who identifies as being female or being a woman doesn't necessarily have a core energy that is feminine. We've kind of genderified the, the concept because of the social construct living within a patriarchy, but really it's our understanding of the duality of the universe, of nature, of, of the world. So throughout the centuries and the millennia, there's been a duality of, you know, the Shakti or the Shiva in the Hindu mythologies, whether that's the duality of energy in Chinese, it's yin and yang. So it's really just understanding that balance of energies. And we've kind of come to define masculine or yang energy as the forward moving energy. It's a very outward energy. It's the energy that you kind of see in especially the corporate sector as being encouraged and valued. So that's the energy of aggression. It's competition. It's, you know, straightforwardness, directness. It's very focused energy. And that's not a negative thing. It's, it's, it's a positive but it's a positive one. It's balanced by your feminine energy, which is the energy of more flow. It's a softer energy. It's not necessarily a calm energy because it can be quite a chaotic sort of energy to tap into. It's the energy of creativity. It's life force energy. It's, it's nurturing, it's collaboration. And it's funny because I was talking to my manager, the director of the company that I work for yesterday, and I was talking about my skills. I work with a lot of engineers. And I was talking about my skills and what I bring to the company as soft energy. And she kind of pulled me up on that because she was like, that's a very masculine way to describe your skill set. And I thought, oh my gosh, yes, it is. Because even though I, my background is, is very much what traditionally in the corporate sector is called soft skills, being very good at collaboration at writing at, at creativity at bringing people together and getting a consensus at mediation, you know, developing strategy, the big picture thinking, the visioning, that's what I'm really good at. And calling that a soft skill is, is kind of demeaning the value that it brings mm -hmm. to people organization to have that energy in there. But I was talking about, you know, our promotional practices, our recruitment practices still values that masculine energy. So even as we've been talking about how do we get more diversity in the workplace, diversity, the way it has been discussed in the corporate sector is still very surface level. It's about, okay, is your skin color different? Is your gender identity different? And if so, that's diversity. But the actual energy you're bringing to the boardroom, to the table, is still needing to be compliant with the status quo, which is directness. It's, you know, the people that are sitting at their desk until 8, 8 p.m. or, you know, sending an email at 1 a.m. Those are the people that are still getting recruited and promoted and are moving ahead, even though we kind of talk about how important it is to have, you know, workplace flexibility. So what the, re like what the reality is, with what's actually you know the ideology is is very different so that's just something that that's kind of been coming up in terms of how do we get more of this feminine energy valued in the corporate yeah. sector and the balance it could bring absolutely and i love what you're saying around how sort of feminine energy or masculine energy is not you know it's not that you only have masculine energy if you identify as a male or you only have feminine energy if you identify as a female it's something that what, from what I'm hearing from you is we all have both workplaces or organizations are seeing probably more of the masculine energy side because they've been constructed that way for so many centuries. But we're, we're essentially saying what I'm hearing is that, you know, people who identify as men also have feminine energy 
it's just traditional rhythms and processes inside workplaces are, are potentially only promoting people based more on masculine energy, which I, as we're sort of sitting here talking about this, I identify with this so strongly. And even in my own, I think looking back, even in my corporate career, even the way I run a business now is still heavily, heavily leaning in the masculine in terms of like, what do I need to do? Get it done forward planning what's next you know directness task focus there's and there really needs to be a greater scope for the feminine kind of side of things and that feminine energy and that balance so I love absolutely what you're what you're saying how how do people go about I guess I identifying in themselves where where they're sitting or, or perhaps which way they're leaning you know more or less towards yeah, there's a, a kind of twofold answer to that question. The first part, I should kind of just note that we have grown up in a society where we're so expected to be in our masculine that we almost have a masculine shield that we as, as feminine identifying beings or women, our people who identify as women, we tend to internalize that culture so much that sometimes we just need to be able to go beneath what we think is our actual response because we've been programmed into thinking that's our response so just noting that mm. the second part of it is to really identify if you lean more to the masculine or to the feminine is to see what lights you up what re-energizes you masculine leaning individuals find a lot of I guess energy coming back into them when they have structure, when they have focus, when they have time to do one task without getting distracted, when, you know, if they're driving into work, they're not, they, they, they might be thinking about the list that they have to do, but that's actually energizing them. It's not overwhelming them. They're not doing it from a state of, oh God, I've got to do blah, 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 blah. It's more of, okay, yeah, so first I'll do this and then I'll do that. And you can see a, a, a very different uh, engagement with that task. It's not coming from a place of stress. It's coming from a place of, okay, I've got this. And it's an energizing thing. Feminine beings, we tend to prefer uh, the idea of connection. So for me, I feel very nurtured when I go into my workforce and I can stop and have a chat to a friend and grab a coffee before I sit down and make a list of the mm -hmm. tasks that I need to do. So that's how I like start my day. And it's something that energizes me. And I feel really connected to that. It's when I have the connections with people more than the connection with the particular task itself. So that's one way to identify which way you're leaning, whether, you know, you feel more energized if you've got space to create to whether that's cooking or, you know, painting or dancing or singing. If those small kind of creative elements really, really light you up, you probably lean more towards the feminine than necessarily doing a task that's more focused and detail oriented, mm -hmm. which is more of a masculine kind of leaning energy. But to be honest, we have a spectrum. We're not one or the other. There's no duality. It's this and that can be true. We yeah. can be both. And to be actually a healthy feminine or masculine, it's about integrating the both mm. aspects of ourselves and bringing harmony to those aspects kind of like the yin and yang symbol right you've got the chi symbol and and that's kind of a really beautiful embodiment of what a feminine masculine should look like yeah absolutely and I can 
I can, you know, we touched really briefly before, before we started recording as well around sort of burnout. And I can see even through this conversation, like the link to that by leaning too heavily or only leaning into sort of that masculine energy and not embracing or finding and creating space for the feminine energy, which is more around sort of that, you know, nurturing and collaboration. And I think things like that you were saying earlier, connection. So it, it is critical essentially that we find a way to integrate both. And I can see so clearly how probably people with a tendency to, to only lean or, or or be in prolonged periods where they're only leaning so heavily into the masculine energy find themselves in a place of stress and overwhelm and, and burnout. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, it's a big risk and I think we're so programmed to be productive. We don't look at rest as a right or a privilege. We think of it as like something that we we need to earn yes actually just part of the cycle so it, it's it is danger not only for for feminine leaning beings but for masculine mm. beings as well yeah it's so true and so how do we like how do we because everything you're saying is resonating so much you know especially around the earning rest and things like that like I think for me personally that's a pattern that has just been so ingrained for so long like I use that language all the time like I've earned a break you know, or you're just human and rest should be something that we value. But how do we, how do we go about creating a new path? Like how do we go about kind of unlearning those behaviours and making way for better ones? That's a big question. I know we need a whole episode <laughs> just for that. I know. That's <laughs> well. I, I believe if we can learn to find safety in our bodies first. I think a lot of us are running triggers within our system, patterns of overwhelm that have been ingrained for a long time. I do a lot of work around intergenerational trauma and and the science behind how we can inherit certain traits in our DNA and how these are passed down from one generation to the next. And if you think about it collectively, women have been oppressed for millennia, not just centuries. And there's so much evidence and research done on how some of these patterns are actually genetically passed down into our systems. And then add that to the understanding of how your nervous system works. Your nervous system is the central system that regulates your entire body. It's connected to every nerve ending. And that's what puts you in the fight, flight, freeze, spawn kind of stages of overwhelm. So learning to create safety in rest is really vital. I think a lot of us have grown up in very hectic environments where our system hasn't learned to regulate and has been co-regulating with people who are already stressed out. So we kind of thrive and find normality on living at this level when our body is kind of programmed to live on this level. And when we drop down to this level, it can feel really unsafe. So that rest period can feel really threatening. It can feel constrictive because that's not our norm. So even though it's not healthy to be up here, that's what feels normal and comfortable for us. So it's really working with our bodies, especially as women, to find safety in calm, in quiet, in and, and rewiring our system to be okay with the pause, with the rest and understanding that we are cyclical beings. We have a cycle that's 24 to 38 days because, you know, that's our hormonal cycle. 
nature has four month, four seasons. So the winter is a very vital part of revitalizing nature so that something new can be born in the spring. And yeah, I, I think really just understanding and reconnecting with, with our own cycles, with our own body, our embodiment is probably one of the biggest gifts we have. And in so many ways, our body has been turned against us. Like we've turned against our own bodies by the way we treat it, by what we see on social media, by internalizing so much of those patriarchal values. You know, we push ourselves when we really should be tuning in and listening to what our, our body is saying. But if we don't feel safe doing that, we don't feel safe in our own bodies. How do we how do we start building that relationship? I'm so interested to understand more, so much more about this. And I I I think it's really interesting what you were saying around sort of when you're so used to operating up here, that then when you do kind of retreat down a little bit, it can feel unsafe or you feel like you're almost being naughty or like you're doing something wrong or it doesn't feel right because you've just been operating at this level for mm. so long and just think that that's almost the norm. But it's just, as we've just been identifying, like it's just something that's not not healthy, it's not sustainable, but with the way that we we live as a society at the moment and like you said, social media and marketing and everything in between is constantly being pushed at you, isn't it? And it's almost in a lot of ways, it, it can feel hard to push back mm-hmm. on those constructs a lot of the time. And so I think that's where then going back to what you were saying about feeling unsafe, that's where that can feel hard too, when you almost push back and, and then you can feel almost a little isolated for doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels very triggering and you can be quite activated when you, you're trying to set those boundaries. Mm. And, yeah. So what do you, what do you think then? Cause we've sort of been talking, I guess, a bit about like what people can do at an individual level to understand more about themselves and to kind of work out, you know, what opportunity might they have to integrate both energies a little bit more consciously and deliberately. But then we've also kind of identified that at a collective level or at an organizational level, things are still, you know, we're still kind of going to get hit with the masculine structures and, and that kind of masculine energy that promotions are made, decisions around promotions are made on salaries, et cetera, et cetera. So with that in mind, what do you think that organisations can start to do in order to allow a better integration of both? I think it really falls down to awareness. Mm. And by that, I mean, I love working with women who are moving up the ranks. And when you are an embodied leader who understands your own nervous system as you're moving into those positions of leadership, you can really influence the energy of the room when you start to understand it. I think that's one of the key parts is to start putting your hand up, saying yes to opportunities, even if it feels like, oh God, this is a bit of a stretch target. Like that's literally what I've just done as I've taken this new role on. Has gone, I put my hand up for it. I said yes to something that for me felt quite like, oh, it's a big thing. And just really starting to have those discussions in meetings in and, and pulling yourself up like my, my manager did to me when we're talking about skills and calling them soft skills yeah. and shifting our conversation around, okay, well, actually, this is a really valuable part of the conversation that we need to have and understand that nest competition isn't necessarily the only way to advance your business 
Sometimes collaboration is a much better opportunity, advocating for yourself. And the thing that I see a lot is, you know, this conversation around having more diversity at the table and in the boardroom. And I've seen comments come through about, well, just pull a chair up to the table, even if nobody <laughs> makes room for you. And I have a real bugbear about that because as a woman, I know I've been at tables talking about issues with a complete room of men and my voice is not heard. So I can speak yeah. as long as, as loud as I want. I don't normally... But I can speak as loud as I want. But if the people at the table don't actually value you, then how do you, you you're not going to be heard. So it's not mm. less pulling a seat up at the table. So I think it's also working with masculine energy as well. Obviously working with people who are men doing more education around this issue. The patriarchy hasn't only hurt women, it's hurt men as well. They've been forced to disown part of themselves mm. just as much as we have. So it's not about turning one gender against the other. It's about inclusivity and mm. working together to create a new structure, which is going to be very triggering. We can see the patriarchy still clawing its way <laughs> institutionally, system systemically through a lot of the decisions that have been made in the US, you know, yeah. here as well. So understanding that yeah, there's going to be pushback and staying strong in our beliefs and in our understanding that we can change the world and it's going to take time because it's a millennia worth of like mm. deeply ingrained systemic issues. It's not going to change overnight. And yeah, it is about working together, creating education, creating more conversations where we can hear the other side as well because I think our ability to have complex discourse is not something that we have really been able to continue as social yeah. media has been created. We have mm. the same people. So yeah, sometimes engaging with the people who disagree with you and who are coming at it from a very different angle, being able to be regulated enough to do that, I think is such a huge part of creating that change because when somebody feels heard, you can actually understand something deeper about why they're resisting the changes that you're trying to yeah. create. Yeah. That's a great answer. I love everything that you're saying. And I re I resonate with you as well around the comment of pull a pull a seat up. I have been in the same in the same position as you multiple times where BYOC, BYO chair, but it doesn't really help me when I'm sitting there speaking and people aren't actually listening. So it's a multi-pronged effort um, in order to be able to truly see gender equality. And I also agree with you completely around the fact that men are impacted as well like be, you know the society we find out and actually the podcast episode that is live my latest episode was a wonderful conversation with a woman called Marcia Lawrence who talks a lot about how we you know we need to or in lifting in lifting we need men to help men to help lift women as well because until we can kind of totally shift that construct and make it normalize it and make it easier also for men to do things like you know, be the stay-at-home parent, work part-time, take be be there. You know, the person that takes the takes the longer period off when they have a child, whatever it might be. Until we can normalize those things too, it's, we're going to be continuously banging our heads against the wall. So, completely love everything that you are saying, and feel like we could talk about this for a long time. But I want to ask you. I've got two more kind of quick questions for you before we let you get back to your day. The first is a question that I ask all of my guests. I'm a big believer in kind of sharing 
books or TED Talks or quotes or whatever it is that that we that we love and we live by. So have you got a a book or a quote or a TED Talk, whatever it might be that you feel, you know, it's the first thing that comes to mind for you as being something that sort of changed your life? Yeah, so it's funny, the, the quote that comes to mind is a Maya Angelou quote and it's, we do the best we can with what we know, but when we know better, we do better. Love that. And that's been playing out for me in, in the last few days and being really gentle with ourselves about that because we, we definitely do. And that's not only us, but everybody's doing the best they can with what they know. So this is such a triggering kind of conversation when it comes to, you know, overturning patriarchy, creating a new system, you know, gender equity and the fact that we're still 267 years away from seeing gender parity, according to a, a UN study that was released. So, you know, it, it there's a lot and it's big mm-hmm. and we're just all doing the best we can with what we know. Yeah. And as soon as we know better, we do better. In terms of like a book that I think is really great, it's, it didn't start with you which is a book by Mark Wallen. I've actually got it on my desk. And it's it's really around understanding our patterns and understanding mm. how we carry generational patterns that mm-hmm. might be influencing our behaviors without us even realizing it because a lot of the decisions we make are actually subconscious. It's a very easy to read book. It, it's it's scientific, but it's not overly scientific for yeah. people who, who who don't love science and don't geek out on it as much as I do. But yeah, it, it's a great book that really just brings that little bit more of compassion to your patterns. So if you've, you know, repeated a few patterns and you don't really understand why, yeah knowing that it could be a, a response from your own nervous system that's trying to keep you safe mm-hmm. and that just being able to befriend that and and bring into awareness and and creating safety for that pattern to change instead of trying to force it into being something it's not it's, it's such a powerful way to mm-hmm. nurture yourself and to grow instead of like pushing through which is kind of a, a thing you see a lot in self-help which doesn't actually help if you've got shit to deal with yeah absolutely great I love that I will absolutely check that out and I'll put that into the show notes as well so people can find it and then last question from me is if people have got questions for you or they want to connect with you what is the best way for them to do so I am on LinkedIn so you can find me at Amanda Louisa and I'm also on Instagram. So I'm at the Amanda Louisa. So that's probably the easiest way to, to jump on and to see some of the, the information that I'm sharing and yeah, engage with me that way. Jump to my DMs, have any questions. <laughs> Slide into my DMs. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I will make sure that I put links to both of those in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for your time today, Amanda. I feel like I have got so many questions still around all of this space. And I hope that it's really planted some some great seeds in the listeners as well to really reflect on for themselves and how they feel like they're currently showing up. Thank you again, though, for being on the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. It has. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for another episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. It has been amazing to have you here and I am always so grateful for you taking the time to pop me in your ears as you go about your day or night. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Eating Your Cake 2. And if we aren't connected on LinkedIn yet, reach out and say hi. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love if you would leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with me here too. Until next episode, you've got this. You can do it. You are doing it. And remember to back yourself and what you have to offer. Hey there, thanks for hanging on and thank you again so much for listening to the podcast. I truly love having you with me, but I want to make sure that you know if you're ready to work together exactly how we can do it. The first way is through my game-changing Transform Your Career six-week accelerator program. This six-week online program is for busy professional women who are ready to regain control of their career and leadership once and for all. Go from feeling like just another employee to an in-demand asset in your company. Stop feeling lost, stuck, and unmotivated, and instead feel confident, worthy of earning more, and armed with the tools to go out and get what you want. The Transform Your Career Accelerator cuts the crap and gets right to the key levers that you need to be pulling to ensure you are seen, heard, and noticed at work. Add to this an epic group of like-minded women all coming together to share insights, learnings, and to build a new network along the way. If this sounds like something you need, then join the waitlist now. The link is in the show notes. The second way you can work with me is through my private one-on-one coaching program, where I only take a very limited number of clients each year by application. My six-month private programs are for you if you know you need tailored coaching and guidance now. You want a container of space and time just for you to work through your exclusive and unique goals. You don't want to wait for the waitlist in my other programs because you know you want access to my brain and my experience all to yourself. If this sounds like you, then book a free call in my diary today and let's chat. Lastly, if you want me in your organization to come and share my tried and tested knowledge with your team on how we can all collectively elevate our own leadership and career success, then jump on my website and download the services info pack or grab it from the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening.